Part three, chapter twelve of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part three, chapter twelve. On the Flying Carpet. Lillian looked out of the window of the den on the boats passing up and down perhaps reflecting a little on the uncertainty of human undertakings i have one bright memory of that gloomy spring she said presently one morning in march while reinhardt was in the desert douglas fairbanks called me up and asked are you game to do something what is it i said never mind are you game to do it are you and mary going to do it we are well then i will all right we're going on a plane to have a look at the war in mexico will you go i should think so when do we start right away as soon as we can get ready i went up to pickfair to see mary as to what we were to take we met at the studio about eleven o'clock drove to the glendale flying field and got into what seemed a very big powerful plane there were ten of us altogether doug and mary doug's brother robert and his wife laurie mary's niece little mary two cousins verna and sonny myself and the pilot and captain there was plenty of room and we got off without any trouble but it turned out that our motors were not powerful enough we meant to cross the mountains by the San Bernardino Pass, but when we were over the low first range, we ran into a storm of wind and snow, and our engines would not lift the plane over the pass. The snow got so thick that we could not see a thing in any direction, just a white whirling mass. We were likely to run into the mountainside any moment. We rolled and billowed around three times turning back and trying it again then the captain very white came and shouted into doug's ear that it was madness to go on that we had better turn back and follow down the coast to mexico it was impossible the captain said to find the pass we turned back and all were relieved there had been no question as to the danger less than a year later a big plane with a party was lost up there dashed against the mountainside the weather was better as soon as we got away from the mountains and along the coast was fine at agua caliente mexico we ate dinner and spent the night we telephoned for a larger plane and a big wasp came down all got into it except robert fairbanks who said he knew when he had had enough and that the day before had satisfied him we left about eleven o'clock for some reason we did not take much along in the way of food and at about three p m our crowd began to look rather poorly hungry and seasick even douglas shushed mary when she started to tell her troubles he had a greenish look and not at all his usual high-hearted manner we got to phoenix arizona about five starved and went to the beautiful hotel they lodged us all in one bungalow and immediately we called loudly for tea and sandwiches we spent the night there 
left around nine next morning we flew to grand canyon not really to the canyon but to the nearest flying field and drove to the canyon by motor there we took a long walk along the rim and looked down on the canyon in the evening light one of the strangest and loveliest and most impressive sights in the world really sublime next morning we motored back to the plain and headed westward we got hungry but there seemed no good place to stop for luncheon all we could see were poor little mexican or indian villages in the desert finally we got to las vegas and after luncheon flew homeward over the mountains we had been unable to cross when we started dropping down into the san fernando valley at sunset as on a magical flying carpet we had had four beautiful days we did not see much of the war though at one place in mexico we saw smoke and thought we heard the sound of distant firing douglas had believed it unwise to go any nearer we might be taken for spies and pursued even brought down after all war was not what we really cared to see end of part three chapter twelve recording by john brandon